What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, a city full of history, home of the Liberty Bell, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, and the location of the execution of the notorious murderer H.H. Holmes. In this series, I want to tell you about the death of Anna Mae Diedrich, a 35-year-old milliner, a woman who wanted love a love that ultimately resulted in her death. Let's take a trip away from Pennsylvania, away from Philadelphia, at least for now. We are traveling 13 miles west to a small town of Meda, Pennsylvania. It was a cold and wet morning, On January 22, 1926, 84-year-old Sally Worrell was walking back to her work at the Rose Tree Inn. Because of the rain, Sally decided to take a shortcut through some trees at the crossroads of Providence and Palmer Mills Road. Sally was hoping to get out of the rain, even if it was just for a few moments. Even with the rain and a chill in the air, it was a nice and peaceful morning. She walked along the trees and noticed some cows in the distance. But something about the cows made Sally pause. When cows graze, they normally all face the same way. Today, though, they were all standing in a circle, nudging something that laid on the ground. Sally had wondered what it was that had their attention, so she slowly made her way over to them. When Sally was close enough to see what it was, she stopped. It was a bundle wrapped in brown papers, strapped together, and it was stained red. Something didn't feel right to Sally, and she didn't continue closer. Instead, she turned and ran. Ran to the closest shop, a blacksmith named William Rowson. He was sitting in the car with his father-in-law, Samuel Weaver, who was visiting him from out of town. What is it? Mr. Rowson, I just saw something horrible. A bundle, and there seemed to be blood on it. It's near the road, she said. Samuel quickly got out of the car, and Sally got in, sliding into the middle, and the three of them started driving. The roads were bad, almost undrivable, but they made it to the location Sally directed them to. When they stopped the car, Sally refused to get out. 
just pointed in the direction where she saw the bundle. She was adamant a murder had happened. William wasn't so sure and started to walk over to the bundle. At first glance, he figured it was a hog, maybe was dumped by someone who didn't want to lug it around. But when he looked closer and lifted the papers, realization had sunken in and he fell back. It's a woman, he shouted. He ran back to his car and the three rushed back to his shop and called the police. The district attorney's office and the state police were also notified. They sent Detective Owen Smith and Sergeant A.F. Dostrom hurried to the scene. The first thing they noticed were pieces of blood-soaked newspapers leading from Palmer's Mill Road to the spot where the bundle was found. They didn't find any heavy bloodstains, which led them to believe the bundle was brought here from another location. The two started to investigate the bundle more. It was held together by two heavy straps, men's belts, to be precise. It was wrapped with a heavy brown wrapping paper, underneath newspapers. One was dated December 22, 1925, the other January 19, 1926, both from a Philadelphia newspaper. After removing the newspapers, they discovered a headless torso, that of a woman. She was wearing a short blue serge dress with a blue overcoat. One hand was clenched tightly on the wrist of the other arm, a wristwatch. They continued to search the area for other evidence. After an hour, they discovered another bundle, 25 feet away in a patch of tall grass. After uncovering the bundle, her legs were discovered, wearing flesh-colored stockings, red garter, bits of fine lace with low brown suede shoes. It wasn't long after they made the second discovery when Deputy Coroner William C. Rigby got there. He examined both bundles and stated that someone with medical knowledge had to have committed the murders. No amateur could have made the clean precision cuts. It looked as though the cause of death was strangulation, the coroner told them, noting the bruising around the lower neck and collarbone. Night fell. The area was thoroughly searched. They found two white handkerchiefs near where they found the torso. There were deep indentations, which resembled teeth marks. It looked as though they were used as gags. They were determined that whoever killed her had to have done it in Philadelphia before dumping her here. But what disturbed them more than the horrific scene before them was that they couldn't find her head. The body was taken to Mita Corner's office, and a full autopsy was conducted. He estimated her age between 20 to 30, small build, and weighed roughly 120 pounds. He couldn't determine the cause of death with 100% certainty until they were able to locate the head to see if the neck held any answers to prove strangulation. He continued his examinations and moved his hand down her arm and rested on her wrist. She wore an expensive gold elegant wristwatch. The time stopped at 4.26. He slipped the watch off her wrist to examine it more. The murder must have been so violent that the watch stopped. On the inside of the watch was an engraving HBZ2TT and H06-1623. He made note of the engravings, and at the end of the autopsy, he filed his report and left the office.
At the same time, in Norwood, a suburb of Philadelphia, the Scholl family was at their wit's end. It had been two days since Miss Scholl had seen her sister, 35-year-old Anna Mae Diedrich. Her husband Andrew had been calling all around to friends and acquaintances to see if any of them had heard from or seen Anna. She hadn't kept any of her appointments, and no one had seen her in days. It wasn't long until news of this grisly discovery made its way to Philadelphia and to the Scholl family. It couldn't have been Anna, and they had to make sure. Mr. Scholl got into his car and made the 13-mile drive to meet a morgue. I think the body you found today was that of my sister-in-law, he said. A few minutes later, the two men were standing in a room, standing in front of a table with a sheet covering the body. There was a tension in the air. On one hand, Andrew Scholl hoped it wasn't Anna, but on the other, they knew something had happened to her, and they wanted to know. When the coroner removed the sheet, it felt as though all the air left the room. The blue dress, the shoes, the frame of the body. Andrew knew. He knew it was Anna. But there was a chance it wasn't her, because he couldn't tell the coroner with 100% certainty it was her, not without the head. But deep down, he knew it was her. The coroner then showed Andrew the watch, which he recognized as Anna's, and he asked him what the engravings had meant, but Andrew didn't know. He had never seen the inside of the watch and didn't recall anyone with those initials. Now the coroner and detective had a name to their victim, Anna Mae Deitch, a 35-year-old milliner from Philadelphia. There's a lot we're going to learn about Anna's life, especially in the leading up to her murder. In the next episode, we'll learn about Anna, the type of life she led, and the discovery of a dark secret that she kept from her friends and family. The secret that cost her her life. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.